0: Well, good morning, Travis family. Uh, Bring you greetings from afar this morning and I hope that you are at home and able to worship with your families during this time. Um, I've learned two things uh, since last week and the week prior to that. Uh, One, um, I have learned that there is absolutely zero desire within me to ever be a televangelist at any point, to speak into the camera to you and how awkward and uncomfortable this is. Um, I also know that I miss... Uh, calling people by name in the middle of the sermon rather than a vacant room. And so I missed the interaction. Uh, but then three, most importantly, uh, you have no idea the persecution and the suffering that I go through watching myself with my family, uh, which basically involves uh, them poking fun at me for about 20 minutes or so and uh, making fun of my gestures. And uh, I'm sad to say that even my wife sort of partakes in this. And uh, so you guys can, uh, can uh, I guess, rebuke her or call her down for that as well. And uh, so anyway, uh, here's what we're going to do this morning. I have been itching to get into the book of Jonah. Um, I delayed it, thought I was going to pick it up after Easter, uh, but the more I've begun to think about the circumstances that we're in and uh, all the things that are transpiring, the more I realize just how applicable this book is for us, and especially chapter one, which is what we're going to look at today. And so I'm just going to continue along uh, like I normally would from the pulpit on Sunday mornings. Uh, we're going to be in Jonah uh, for three or four weeks, and uh, we'll take a brief break in Easter. Uh, and uh, so anyway, that's that's where we're going to be. So let me ask you to open up uh, to the book of Jonah. Uh, it's okay if you have to use your index in the front and find it. Um, most people think that Jonah is a book about a guy getting swallowed by a really big fish. But the reality is, is that Jonah... though that's a, a brief part in the story, it really has very little to do with the overarching theme that exists, really primarily about a man who said no to God when God called him to do something. And so this book is not about the mythology of whether or not it was a fish or a whale or, or is that really scientifically possible. It is a book overwhelmingly about God's heart to see lost people, people far from Christ come to know him. And it's about a man who was walking closely with God but chose to say no, and then we get to experience as the reader the consequence for Jonah's action. And so I want to draw our attention beginning in chapter 1, verse 1, where the text says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amati, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. Now, there are a couple of things that begin as we, or that were striking as we begin to read the text. The first thing is there where it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah was a successful prophet. Of his time. We know from the book of Kings, chapter 14, where it describes Jonah's ministry and having influence over the king and helping bring about through the Lord uh, these these economic and and political reforms of his day. He was a man that knew how to listen to God, and he knew when God was speaking, and he knew that, that when God spoke, that God demanded a response of his people. And so Jonah was a man who walked closely with God, who fellowshiped with him, who heard from him, and then spoke those words to to people as, as God revealed that. And so we begin with the word of God, God speaking to Jonah, and everything seems pretty normal at this point. But then we get to verse two and we see this statement that, that God begins to speak and he says, arise, get up from where you are, and I want you to go to Nineveh, this great city, and I want you to do this for me. I want you to call out against it for their evil has come up before me. Now, Nineveh was one of these locations that, that rested just north of, of Israel. And the Ninevites were an extremely barbaric group of individuals. They conquered many people and many lands. They were extremely savage in how they treated women and children and, and how they, they showed absolutely no mercy to those that would come up against them with the sword. These were, were extremely wicked people. They were the enemies of Israel. And so Jonah had experienced the Ninevites coming in and conquering. He had experienced the Ninevites uh, just wreaking havoc And chaos in the land that they lived. And so, but God calls Jonah and he says, Hey, Jonah, I want you to arise and I want you to go to this group of people that you perhaps despise more than any other groups of people. And I want you to go and and speak my words of of truth and bring life to them. these, These wicked and barbaric individuals that were just to the north of you. Arise and go to Nineveh, this great city, and call out against them. For their evil has come up against me. Now we pause there and we go, great. We see the command given to the prophet of God who had been successful in ministry and who had lived a life up until this point, hearing from God and then responding to God appropriately. And then we read the next verse, which is almost meant to feel devastating as as we read it. But it says in verse 3, But Jonah, this man of God, rose to flee to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. What we see here is God speaks to Jonah. Jonah responds by rebelling against the command and against the decree of God, and he chooses to walk in rebellion. And so, one of the first things that I want you to notice in the text as a way of application, as a point to, to we're gonna wrestle with later on throughout this chapter and throughout the book is this brief understanding, this very simplistic understanding that a re- rebellion is simply just saying no to God. Rebellion is simply just saying no to God. Now, I, I, I drew out earlier this idea that Jonah as seen in the book of Kings and even spoken about by Jesus later on, he, he was a man who, who could listen to God and to hear from God. And he was a man who had success prior to what he had done in, in bringing about these reforms. He was a man, get this, who walked closely with God. Yet even in Jonah's closeness, Jonah chose to rebel against the God who gave the commands. One author puts it this way about Jonah. He says this, You are never farther from God than when you are close to him and you say no. You are never farther from God than when you are close to him in relationship and you hear him speak and tell you something definitively and yet you decide and choose to say no. But Jonah flees To this city, I'll have you note, it's somewhere around 1,500 miles away from Nineveh that Jonah chose to run to. He goes and he flees, and and I want you to notice at the end of verse 3 where he says that that he flees from what? He flees from the, the presence of the Lord. This word presence, it comes from a Hebrew term, panim, just P A N I M, and it just simply means face. And so if you were to read this in in its most literal way, he chose to flee to Tarshish from the face of the Lord. From the, the word of the Lord, from the direct command that God had given, Jonah knew that God was speaking, and yet he chooses to walk in a different direction. Well, how does he do this? He, he chooses to, to go to Tarshish, so he pays the fare and goes down into it to go with him away from the Lord. So he, he goes into this ship to flee Nineveh to get away from the presence of the Lord, from the face of God. And so he finds this ship and he, he pays his fare and off he goes trying to escape from the Lord. One of the things that I've been struck by over the past few weeks is there is nowhere really where, where we can run. We can socially isolate, we can self-quarantine all we want, but, but none of us really know on, on whether or not. We're just simply trying to, to minimize the risk of infection. And in the same way that we really can't realistically run from this virus and this pandemic, there is absolutely zero way by point of application that we can ever escape from the presence of the Lord, from the face of God. He is everywhere. He, he has been to all the places that we are going to go. He, he embodies what we can dream about and where we long to be at some point. God is sovereign and he is everywhere and there is no escaping his presence. Friend, I find it interesting that Jonah jumps on a ship to escape the face of the Lord. And in the same way that he does that, I think it's important for us to remember that if you want to run from God like Jonah, there will always be a ship willing to take you. If you wanna run like Jonah, there's always going to be a ship of opportunity. There's always gonna be a door of opportunity that that is just hurtling right around the corner that we just need to see it. And what I wanna say to us this morning as a church is that not every door that opens before us is a door that the Lord has opened, but rather sometimes these are ships and doors that take us down paths and take us in directions that are contrary to the word of God and in the opposite direction of the presence of the Lord. It's one of those things that, that we have to understand, that, that the idea that, that every time a door opens, that, that that's God providing an opportunity for me and that, that if I listen to my, to my heart or if there's peace in the midst of this, because I'm sure in this moment, Jonah, and we see in just a moment how he falls asleep into the slumber, there was peace, he was able to rest. And it seemed to be, at least in that moment, temporarily, though it was fleeting, it was there, but just for a brief moment, he was able to experience some sort of of rest from the call and from the direction that God had put on his life. And what I think that points to is this idea that, that peace in our heart should never override the peace that ultimately comes from this. God is never going to ask us to do something in our life experientially that is contrary to what is written in this book. And so we have to make sure that, that wherever it is that we feel like we're, we're moving or going or what direction God is taking us individually or as a church or as a community, we need to make sure that we apply wisdom to scenarios as often as we can. We must make sure that, that the peace that exists within our hearts is never standing in opposition to what God has decreed and what God has declared in this book, in rather the word of God. Because there are are multitudes of ships to take us in different directions seeking to flee from the presence of the Lord. But Jonah gets in this ship seeking to run away. And look with me again in verse 4 where he says this, But the Lord... He hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. And then the mariners, the, they were afraid. Each one cried out to his own God and they began to hurl the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But, but Jonah had at this point, notice what it says. He says, but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship. And it says that he, he lay down and he was fast asleep so the captain comes to him and says, what do you mean, you sleeper, arise? Go out and call to your God. Perhaps God will give us a thought that we may not perish. Now, there's some interesting things that are going on here in the Hebrew. As we walk through this first chapter, we see words like arise and go up. But as Jonah begins to walk in a a spirit of rebellion and disobedience, saying no to God, we notice that the author of the text begins doing something with the words to to put them into a a comparing and contrast. They're meant to to sit in the language in, in opposition to one another. And we're meant to sort of feel the tension that exists. We begin to see not words like arise, but rather we see Jonah going downward. He began to lay down. He began to fall fast. Fast asleep, that word at the end of verse 7, fast asleep, is this idea of not just a 20-minute power nap. Not just a nap that, that dads are, are notorious for just taking at any given moment and just falling asleep sitting up. No, rather Jonah was in this posture of, of a deep sleep, deep within his REM cycles. Right, And so while all this was going on and he was sleeping all of the men who were on the ship began to panic because the storm began to blow in and they could tell based on their experience, mind you, that the ship was about to capsize. And so they began to cast lots. They began to pray to their God, God save us, God save us, all the while not praying to the one true God. And eventually the, the captain makes his way down in verse 6. And he, and he, he tells Jonah to, to wake up, arise and, and speak to your God, call out to him. And, and maybe he will save us and not allow us to perish. And what the author intends to do with the words that he's using when he he says that Jonah goes down into the inner part of the ship and Jonah lays down and he falls fast asleep downward. Make no mistake about it. This physical posture that exists within Jonah's life is a representation of his spiritual condition at this moment. And if we would just remember um, ever so quickly that that just moments before this, Jonah was a man who was walking closely with God. He he had a fellowship with God. There was intimacy with God. He was saying yes to the things that God was telling. And yet, in a moment, in one decisive or indecisive action, he just decides that that the Ninevites, um, his arch enemies, were not worth the gospel. They weren't worth the cost. And they were a people that he loathed and despised. And he would rather see them perish. would rather see judgment on people that have harmed his people that have spoken ill of his people he would rather see them perish eternally than for them in this moment to come to know the richness of what it meant to follow the one true god and so as he lay at the bottom of that ship That ship and and that posture was a representation of his his utter depravity at this moment and his utter rebellion towards the things that God has called him to do. And one of the things that I'm always struck by anytime I read this passage that's a reminder for us is how my sin, the sin of one man, can affect other people. Jonah's rebellion was affecting the men who were on that ship who had nothing to do with him saying no. Yes, they didn't know the one tree God. Yes, they had their own gods and it wasn't the God of the the Bible. But but in this particular moment, judgment upon Jonah was being cast upon those that, that occupied the ship alongside him. And just as it's true for Jonah, it's true for us. That there is no such thing as, as secret sin or private sin. All the things that, that we do or don't do in private, God eventually brings them to light. But, but make no mistake about it, our own private sin can have public ramifications for other people. How we act and behave and think and our heart's affections and, and how we're stirred, those things affect other people just as they affected the men who occupied the ship. But how do we look at this in a a positive light? Because wouldn't the opposite be true if we just lingered here for a moment? Think about the blessings that would have accompanied Jonah had he said yes and walked with him and the blessings that would accompany those that are near Jonah. Because Jonah would walk in obedience I think perhaps the greatest thing that that you can give to your neighbors and your family and your friend in this time of a pandemic is to to focus on being the person in in the stillness and in the quietness of this moment. Focus on being the person that God intends for you to be. It's never too late to become who God wants you to be. And, and the greatest gift that we can give other people is to walk closely with God and to be in relationship with him and to be in fellowship with him and to have that relationship uh, sort of infect other people, but the positive side of walking closely with God and how it has ramifications for those that are around us. For if we're like Jonah, the warning for Jonah is the same warning that's for us when we are asleep at the wheel spiritually, when we are are passive in in our pursuit of, of holiness, that it can even come to the point where it could kill other people around us. That these men were going to perish because Jonah was in rebellion and not walking closely with the Lord. Friend, I want to say this to you. The hope that this brings comfort to you this morning in your homes. Uh, hope this is unsettling. This is not unsettling, but hopefully this points us to rest in, in the sovereignty of God. And it's this simple truth that God sends this storm in Jonah's life to, to wake Jonah up from the slumber. Could it be true that, that God is, is sending this, these circumstances, this pandemic in, in our culture globally, not just in our city, not just here at Travis, but could it be true that, that he is sending this to break us of our pride and of our self-reliance? That he's taking us to places, uh, deeper levels of of trust and and deeper levels of of faith because of the circumstance. Could it be true for Jonah? I think it was true. I think this is what ultimately God was doing when he sends the storm into Jonah's life is so that Jonah would would stop leaning and trusting in his own abilities and talents and in his own self-reliance. And God was using this storm to break him of those things. And just like I think it was true of Jonah, I think that same truth is, is still relevant to us today and applicable to us today. That God is sending this storm to break us as his people of our self-reliance and to get our attention and to say, hello. Are you worshiping me for the, for the right reasons? Is it in spirit and it is in truth? And all of those, those, those seemingly significant issues several weeks ago have just dissipated. And now it's this conversation of, of what do I eat and when will I go back to work and, and how will I provide? Because God is, is moving his people back to this posture of trust. God will use two ways to, to bring a level of, of, of humility in our lives. The first is, is theology, understanding rightly about God knowing who he is and, and who I am in light of that and understanding his word and, and understanding uh, the great doctrines of God and the person of God and, and how those things have implications, who Jesus is. And it's this reminder that the more books that I read, all of all the, the thousands of books in my study are, are simply reminders to me each and every day, not in a boastful way, but really how little I know because the more I learn about God, the more I realize how much I don't know. And so my understanding and my theology, it, it should bring humility. But, but in, the, in the case that my humility only puffs me up with pride and arrogance and self-reliance, God sometimes brings alongside affliction. And he allows and he permits suffering, uncertainty, changing times to make me into the person that I, I could not become had I not gone through this current experience. God shows his love. I would even go so far to say that God shows his love for us often when he sends storms in our lives because it's breaking us of all the little cords and the ropes that we're holding onto that are, that are not from him and not of him. That's a hard thing to process, I know. And it's a, it's a complicated thing, but, but, I, but I wanna say this to you as I, I've heard people talk and yes, it could be God's judgment on mankind and, and all those things. I'm not a prophet. I, I just read the scriptures and, and I see God using things like this uh, as a form of judgment, but I'm not a prophet and I, and I don't fully understand. I, I'm just a preacher and, and I read the scriptures and, and I seek to examine them. But I wanna remind us of, of whether it is God's judgment or a result of a fallen world. I want you to understand this. That God's purpose in doing this is not meant to pay us back for our sin, but rather to bring us back from our sin. The goal of correction, the goal of of pandemics, the goal of discipline all throughout Scripture is not necessarily for God's people. It's not retribution, but it's rather restoration to bring people back to a, a right relationship with him. That ultimately God wants us to be reconciled with one another. He wants us to be reconciled with him through Christ. And this is the, the goal and this is the aim. And just as Jonah was cast out into the ocean of God's wrath because of his own disobedience. And he does it involuntarily. Jesus was put into the ocean of God's wrath voluntarily because of my disobedience. Not because of his And this is the connection to the gospel. This is the connection and the heartbeat behind Jonah, ultimately getting us to this place as believers in in 2020, in this time and in this place that we are leaning in and trusting in the righteousness of Christ, the God, the Father, to save us and to sustain us during this time. Friend, put your eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith who absorbed the wrath of God because of my sin and because of your sin, and trust him. Trust him and obey. I think there's there's an old hymn that figured that out a long time ago. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. I want to end this morning in this way with you. I wish you were here with me on campus and I wish I was in our fantastic sanctuary and, and our altar with our, our windows open and, and the music is just sort of sent down from heaven and we gear up for this time of invitation and response. And I, I want you to have a time of invitation and response, but it's a little bit different because we're doing it online this morning. And here's how, what I want you to do um, when, when this video sort of fades out and, and I'll see you again next week in, in this way, I, I, want you to, I want you to pray in your living room with your family dads, I want you to lead your your wives and your children. Maybe this is the first time you've ever done that or the first time you've done it in a really long time. And I want you to ask a couple of questions. And maybe pray it in this way, but just simply say, God, where in in my life as a family, where where in my life individually have, have I been just saying no to you? Where have I been in rebellion? And would you show me that? Or maybe the, the prayer is, God, help, help me during this time, break my self-reliance on myself, on my retirement account, my, my 401k. Lord, I mean, we, we know not to watch the stock market in these moments because it is up and down every day and, and that is no way to live at this time. Just put it away and, and let's re-look at it again later on. No way to live, my friend. But ask God quietly, ask God aloud in your living room, God, How is it that you are breaking my self-reliance? How is it that you are teaching me to trust you, help me trust you more? Friend, I love you so, so very much. I'm praying for you regularly. I'm praying that God is still speaking to you in his word, that you are gathering together in your Zoom meetings, Facebook, social media, all of those things. And, and, And I hope that, Though we can use technology to be with each other, I, for me, I'm I as thankful as I am for it. It, is, it just leaves me with a greater longing and desire to be back with God's gathered people physically together, to be with one another in corporate worship. And so let's pray together that that day quickly comes and quickly returns. I love you so much. And I will see you same time next week. God bless.